This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon, and in the name of the moon, you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the prime show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Folks, we got a loaded show for you today with uh, some reviews of Black Widow and our talk topic of the week. We also got to talk about the Oh My God of Mischief multiverse episode of Loki episode five. This is it. I mean, so much has happened in that episode. And then on top of that, Next week is the series finale, so we're going to pop on that. Um, new trailers are out, so we're going to talk about that as well for Marvel's What If, and a uh, lot of things that were in that that we got to discuss. And before we do all that, I got a bit of a rant to talk about, so let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. So I'm going to start off with some sad news uh, this week. We uh, lost a producer and a director that just so happens to be the father of one of the most beloved actors of all time. Uh, That will be Robert Downey Jr. His father passed away just recently and uh, he put off a really endearing note and letter to him on social media, you know, talking about his father and such. And, you know, regardless of who he is and he was an established producer and director um you know the man was a father he was a father to a you know to a family and his son loved him dearly and you know his robert downey jr has gone through a hell of a lot of things in his life and he is a great inspiration of 
you know, how to come back from adversity and, and trial and tribulation and all this stuff, you know, and through this, he lost his father. Um, you know, with that said, his father should be, it had to have been the most proudest person in the world to not only just have a son who is one of the most renowned actors of our time right now, but a son who has come back through so much in his life and to see him come back and become a brand new person, a better man. That's awesome. That is awesome. Like, you know, take a, take aside, put aside the fact that this man became Iron Man and helped build a legacy for Kevin Feige and Marvel and all that stuff. And, you know, this really the nucleus and center point of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This man has been an established actor throughout his entire life. I can name so many other movies that he's been awesome in outside of that, you know? And it's just, you know, it's it's always sad to see somebody go, but when you gotta look at it in some other ways, like he built a legacy for himself and his son. Um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. can live proudly knowing that his he lived a better life in honor of his father and honor of himself and stuff like that so that's you know you take you take that into a positive you know he he left a proud man he had to there's no way in hell <laughs> you can't be proud of you know his like you know the legacy of what he's done in his career alone along with the fact that you birthed a son who was able to do what he's done you know so then this is the part where i start to rant and I, the bad part is, is that I shouldn't even, sometimes I, you, 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 there's times where you feel like you shouldn't talk about this and you really, and there's times that you have to, because it's just, you got to point out these things. You really got to point out these situations, especially when it comes to social media, and especially when it comes to mental health. And this is a real talk ACMG moment. I already wrote this out to people on our ACMG Facebook group and put it out there. And now I'm gonna let you guys hear it as well. And this is about social media, and this is about the mental health and well-being of people on social media. And I get it. We are not supposed to talk about trolls and haters on social media. I say it myself: starve negativity and feed positivity. But what does it honestly say about the trolls and haters who somehow feel fulfilled by making? antagonizing remarks to people even in their darkest times or even just we you know facebook they have the icon the you know the like I, I emojis and icons now to express how you feel which are also great and also bad because you got people who put in angry emojis to express their feelings about a certain post and you got sad emojis and then you got also the laugh emojis the laugh emojis is supposed to be normally for something that is funny, something that is really, it is really a funny thing. But to use it when somebody is devastated about the death of a loved one, that's, it's, it's just, just despicable. And you got to really think about the people that are doing it. The thing is, it's always a, a, a minority of people. If you look at every single time this happens, no matter who it happens for, if you're trying to bring out a point, if you're trying to celebrate something, if it's a celebrity or whatever, that the majority of the people like, there's always this little minority of people. And for those who don't know, the term minority, the definition of minority does not mean people of color. <laughs> minority is just a, a, a 
minor group of people. Okay. Just got to point it out because there's some people, some quote unquote intelligent people on social media who feel like the term minority is associated with people of color. No, that is not the case. It is just, it's somewhat a bit synonymous, but to some cases it's not the situation here is that there's always a minority of people who want to troll, who want to show negativity. And it's, you got to understand those people are just placing their frustration and anger and want to misery loves company. And they try to make people other people miserable. That's plainly what it is. They don't want people to realize that. And they, they, I think they know that people realize that, but people aren't afraid. People are sometimes just don't voice it out. They don't, call them out on it. I'm not the one I'm gonna call you out on it. I know exactly what the hell's going on and I'm not afraid to voice it out. And at the end of the day, it always, it is always a vocal minority of folks who lash out like this and make the loudest noise, but that doesn't mean that it isn't concerning about their health. I believe that people like this are going through a lot of situations in their life and they're just, sometimes it could mean that they're screaming for attention because they're actually screaming for help and that's the way i take it it's one thing to hate and resent somebody due to jealousy envy or regret for one's lack of ability to accomplish which i'm not saying that is even remotely healthy in comparison but to troll on somebody to troll on someone whose loved one died is just plain pathetic and sad that is the end of end of that please folks Consider your actions and why you do them because your actions will be the best of you. We all have an end date in our lives and ask yourself, do you want to end it being a bitter jerk? <laughs> Leave the high school mentality behind you. Learn to show some respect, maturity and discipline in your life. Social media gives real geeks and dorks an opportunity to hide behind the virtual world without repercussions and consequences. If you can't say anything on your profile that involves you hiding from it or having a burner account or anything, how much value does that have? Think about it, people. If you're, if you're, if somebody's trying to talk badly about you or, you know, trying to make you feel bad and they, they have a burner account, there, there's no merit or value to it. And there's no merit of value to some of the ones that do show their true selves. You got to really look at the person who is talking to you. What are, what is their value and worth to that, ex, to that extent? What is really going on in the world? Cause you got to understand what they're going through may reflect on what they're doing, their actions. So do take that into consideration. It may, I mean, don't take it to, don't take it, you know, to heart in a sense, because you got to look at their background. You got to try to decipher what's going on. You got to, you know, unlock what's really going on in their life. And a lot, nine chances out of 10, those people who are trolling and hating and everything, they're hating for a reason. They're hating because something is going on in their world that's triggering them to do that. Because if their lives were any happier, they would absolutely not do that because happy stays around happy. Hate stays on its own and stays alone. Happy and successful sticks with happy and successful. There's nothing to hate about people because they're all have doing their own thing. 
Okay. That is that is the honest to goodness truth. If that is your definition, you know, if, if, if going around and trolling and, and say, you know, making trying to make people feel bad and, you know, trolling people who are going through, you know, heartbreaking stuff like that. If that is your definition of being tough, you're in for a rude awakening if you try to do that in the real world, because that's the other thing. They won't. They won't do that in the real world. And I promise you that will be the best of you if you if you're one of those people. Those same people will most likely not do that in, in real life. They don't want to get that ass. <laughs> they do not want to get that ass whooped. That is honest to goodness. If you're one of those folks who constantly must try and make somebody's uh, day bad or worse, I implore you. I truly implore you to seek professional counseling to discover why you do what you do. We all can benefit from it. That is, that's pretty much my rant for this. I, I just, just be a better person. Don't reflect and don't displace your anger upon everybody else. Look into yourself. I had to do it myself. I had to look, it took me, I had to go about it myself because I was angry for years, especially during my high school times. I got, I got the scars to prove it. I got, you know, the trial and tribulation to do it. I got, I went through a lot during my time and I had to look at myself. I would not be here right now if I didn't change the way I was doing things. So look it upon yourself because there's so much more to you than you could possibly imagine. And if you're using all that energy just to troll and do that, trust me, you're wasting your life. It's not going to affect those people. It's actually probably going to encourage those people. It's pretty much like Loki. He he does all this antagonizing. And all it does is that it, it, make, it gives people enough energy to avenge. He created the Avengers. <laughs> okay. You're creating people, you're creating heroes in your own self, and you're only doing nothing but allowing them to step over your chances to do better for yourself. So, with that said, rest in peace to the father of Robert Downey Jr. You know, it, it's, you know, respectfully. So, um, some other bad news that came about this week, um, another passing, another passing of a legendary director. Richard Donner died at the age of 91. The man behind such legendary movies as The Goonies, Lethal Weapon, and of all things, Superman, passed away this week. No word on the cause of death, but it is absolutely sad. And But at the same time, he died at age 91, people. And I have a saying, and I've always said it before, if you listen to the show before, you've heard me say this all the time. When you get to that age, you lived a life of legacy and a Bill legacy and his, his legacy. Oh my goodness. For those who don't know who Richard Donner is, he's literally possibly the sole person responsible for revolutionizing comic book movies that is happening right now. I wouldn't say he's the first to have a comic book movie. I can't say that, but his movie the, super, the first Superman movie was a game changer. It was the first one to make box office smashing hits. Um, it gave us Christopher Reeves. I mean, Jesus. His, his movie is the template for all that we're seeing right now. So if you want to give credit to anybody right there, 
Richard Donner is that dude. And for that, thank you, Richard Donner. And if you have not watched the old school Superman, you know, movies that he's done, I mean, it, it from today's aspect and perspective compared to what we're doing now, it could be considered slightly cheesy, but especially in terms of like, you know, special effects, because, you know, everything was limited back then. But for what they did was pretty awesome. And we wouldn't have gotten here now if not for that. You know, we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have the, um, the Brian Singer versions. We wouldn't have the um, Zack Snyder versions, if you will, if not for this. You know, the Snyder Cut wouldn't have been, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of inspiration towards where we're at now. The, low, the Superman and Lois, you know, series and all the, you know, Superman series, you know, a lot of it reflect from what Richard Donner has done and what he's put in and that iconic music. Now he wasn't, you know, uh, he wasn't in charge of that music, but you know, this all co culminated together with his vision. And of course, you know, if you're fans of Lethal Weapon, which I was and my mom was, you know, before she passed and before, you know, um, what's his face with blitz and crazy and racist and all this stuff. That was a, that was some awesome movies. <laughs> it was some awesome movies. The Goonies is always iconic and legendary in itself. So with that said, thank you, Richard Donner, and rest in peace to you as well. Um, this is not a mourning. This is a celebration of life here. And, and as well as Robert Downey Jr.'s father, Robert Downey Sr. Uh, these are celebrations of life and legacies that will no doubt be talked about from decades on in. So, you know, a toast to both of you as well. We got a chance to see a really awesome trailer this week. Um, Marvel's What If has released a new trailer along with their release date. We finally get a release date. And guess what, folks? We only got a month away. Like today is the 11th. We literally got a month away today. <laughs> if you're listening to this as the day of this release of this uh, episode, a month today. This is uh, July 11th. I, it is coming. August 11th. I am so excited for this because we got to see like over two minutes of extra footage of what's going to what's expected in this uh, series. So let's get down to it. Let's let's highlight what I what I got to experience. New footage shows Tony Stark in his overseas tour from the first Iron Man movie where we uh, where he was attacked by terrorists. We then we uh, we see him hiding from cover trying to call for help probably roadie of course and we see one of the missiles that was designed for him and if you guys remember that was in a movie the original movie instead this is where the what if part and if folks if you don't know what if is what if is a comic book was a marvel comic book series take like kind of an alfred hitchcock twilight zone type of thing where they took iconic storylines and flipped them around to say, what if this actually happened instead of what we saw in the original content in the canon content, if for those of you like that word. Um, so they, they flipped the script around and this is what the what if series is going to do. So this is going to be awesome because, you know, what happened when he saw that missile is that he exploded, his heart was uh, hit and was shrapnels of the missile. And we all we know what happened with Iron Man instead of it exploding. As it was meant to happen, a soldier picks up the missile and throws it far before it exploded. Lo and behold, it is none other than the Killmonger. 
who was overseas in that tour. Tony, he helps Tony up and Tony walks with him and asks him, have we known each other? Do I know you from somewhere? And we see the graphic clip of the logo and everything. And then, you know, we also see clips of Dr. Strange falling into a portal. We also see the iconic camera panning uh, scene of the Avengers when all of a sudden, when they're at, you know, the scene where everybody's hurtling up and ready to fight, um, is it the Centauri? Yeah. And Loki and the Centauri. Instead, we see a little flickering and all of a sudden it changes from the Avengers into Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is interesting. We also see T'Challa as Star-Lord with Yondu. Uh, glimpses of Black Widow and the Hawk along with Loki. We also see Howard the Duck who's going to be making an appearance, which means Seth Green uh, will maybe uh, making an appearance on the show because he played, he voiced Seth Green, uh, the uh, Howard Duck character on there as well. Uh, there is also a scene with Peggy Carter, Peggy Carter, I should say, who is calling herself Captain Carter. We also see a sneak peek of Spider-Man who is entering the what if world as well. Uh, we also see zombie versions of the Marvel heroes, which is a, I, I believe a very memorable saga in the what if uh, comics, actual the actual comics. So we're going to see that as well. And best part about it all is that the roles are reprised by almost every actor from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including the late great Chadwick Boseman, who will be playing T'Challa and the as Star-Lord in this case. So this is going to be interesting. Um, I say almost because the voice of Tony Stark has not been confirmed as Robert Downey Jr. According to IMDb, I don't know what's going on, but I looked at IMDb and every actor who's played their respective roles from the movie, from the live action movie is voicing their roles in here. But I didn't see Robert Downey Jr.'s name on here. I don't know what they're holding. I don't know if it's actually him. Did he take the time to actually come and do this? We don't know. Um, it kind of sounded like him, but it kind of did not in the trailer. So that's going to be interesting to see. It's like, uh, did he, did, did he cost too much to do this? <laughs> I don't know, but it will be premiering August 11th. And from what I saw on IMDb, it is going to be 11 episodes. I don't know if I'm hoping that it's at least at half hour each episode. I mean, if we get 11 hour episodes, that's awesome, but I doubt it. I think they're going to be like a half hour each. But I will say, looking at this, it looks stunning. Marvel has done a lot of animated movies before. None of them, and I mean none of them, look this good. And a lot of the movies and in, in, in animated series that they've done, they none of them compare to what um, WB Animation does. None of them. It, like the best that they've done is like Ultimate Spider-Man was probably the best looking recent animation animated series that they've done uh, in terms of character design and animation style none none of them could compare to what wb animation and the dc movies have done however this one may be the greatest animated series or uh, that they've ever done ever i mean like this this thing looks phenomenal i i don't know who's what studio is working on this but this is far and beyond anything that i've ever seen before and it's just gorgeous like i, I relate this to jim lee's artwork <laughs> okay 
like it's awesome so i can't I've, I've been waiting to see this and apparently we won't have to wait any longer literally a month from today it's coming out so ah uh, we got so much awesome stuff to watch i mean wandavision started and kicked it off it was just phenomenal uh falcon and a winter soldier was just unbelievable loki is really setting itself up for possibly maybe being the best of them all depending on how the series finale happens last week but segueing into that let's talk about loki episode five which is on my screen right now it's probably probably watched it for the third time just if you're a if you're a pure marvel comics fan if you're a marvel especially a marvel golden age or 616 fan you had to have been going crazy over this episode because this was a outstanding like each one tops keeps like topping the last episode i don't know what the hell's gonna happen next week after this but let's run down what happened here loki's look we last saw loki being prone like loki and mobius being prone by um ravana renslayer and the tva find out that he they don't die they ended up in, the, in another world and loki meets up with other lokis from other you know timelines and worlds including including a really large black loki uh a kid version of loki alligator loki and a future what i call a future 616 loki with like he he's dressed up in the like legit old school 616 original low-key outfit <coughs> excuse me which which all pays homage to all different versions of Loki's that we've seen in the comics it's just amazing and i had to explain to somebody too because they didn't understand there was a um there was a post i put up about luf rigno not um liking the direction of the new hawk but luf rigno hasn't read the comics and Professor Hawk is is something that's been in the comics. So I had to explain to somebody because they didn't understand whether this was a lore from the comics or not. And I had to explain that the Marvel Cinematic Universe takes fragments of comic book history and molds it into what is called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's pretty much what it is. So it's not canon to anything but its own because it's an amalgam of all these different versions of the ultimate universe of the 616 universe possibly the heroes reborn universe to that extent uh marvel knights you know all that it it, it culminates all that to make the marvel cinematic universe and making it its own series it if you understand if for those who are bruce lee fans they understand this bruce lee created g kundu was which was a like an amalgam and hybrid of different martial arts that he you know took fragments of it and made them his own to make a more you know balanced version of a martial art that's what marvel cinematic universe did they took fragments of the 616 the ultimate universe and other universes to you know combine what we have now so it's catering to a whole bunch of fans uh of marvel comics right here and this episode really did a great job doing swirling all that together and that's what we that's what's happening here so um you know loki meets up with the um with these guys in this in this abandoned world where they're being sent it's pretty much like they've been taken they've been taken to a world that pretty much is the equivalent of a trash can and they they're like he he stays with them in order to survive the threat of a dragon like cloud that devours you know loki's or 
beings with, you know, major energy. So they have been, you know, these other Lokis have been, you know, traveling all through the world. And apparently the world that they're in is the world of Kit Loki. So just it's a it's a really interesting thing. Um, we now as far as the fanfare here, it was huge because one of the biggest things. And if you're a Marvel Comics fan from like way back in the day, I'm talking like the 70s and the 80s. There is something in there that they showed. I can't believe they did this. That I and every probably comic book fan went crazy over. They made the Thanos copter legit. For those who don't know what the Thanos copter is. Yes, Thanos from Infinity Wars. You know, for those who are hardcore comic book fans, you know this. The Thanos used to actually ride a helicopter. <laughs> like the Thanos that you see in the movies is far beyond the best Thanos ever. But back in the 70s and in the 80s, this fool, for some reason, I don't know whose idea this was in Marvel Comics back then, but this fool actually was riding in a Earth beer the earth like helicopter i don't understand look i to this day i don't understand the, the reason for that he's a being from outer space like if you got a guy who's riding a helicopter for god's sakes how are you going to be intimidated by a being riding a helicopter a, a, a alien riding a helicopter like it, how are you any more intimidated or afraid of a man like that than you were so this was always a running gag for over the years because the Thanos copter has been a thing and it's been a cult classic popular thing so much to the point that it's been seen in video games now just as a gag type of thing. Lego has actually made a, a Lego version of Thanos with the Thanos copter as well. But to see this in this format, it actually does two things. It actually shouts out the old school hardcore comic book fans of that two it actually legitimizes the 616 because that's exactly where you saw it so because this is the multiverse it is recognizing every single universe and the fact that they did show this shows that the 616 does exist within the multiverse as well so i love absolutely love this um another fan fair tidbit they showed too um as the lokis were entering the little hideout was the was Frog Thor, which is something that's uh, a part of um, that was a part of a, a really special part of uh, comic book history. And um, it was really awesome. It was absolutely fantastic. I love they, because they didn't really have to do this. This was just this is why the Marvel Cinematic Universe is awesome. OK, you take all these you, you take all these tidbits, put them together. You make fan, you make hardcore fans happy and you make it entertaining enough for the casual fans to enjoy and maybe want to learn a little bit more. It's just the, the Marvel cinematic formula is genius. Okay. So great moments. Uh, also in this, in this episode when, um, even more Loki surface, including the Loki that was elected president in the comics, there's a certain comic, um, you know, saga involving Loki where he's running for office or whatever like that. And it's Tom Hiddleston. And, and, and the funny part was the comic cover for that, the very famous comic cover for that is drawn to look like, you know, um, Tom Hiddleston. So 
lo and behold, this is kind of like the same thing where Samuel L. Jackson, they, they drew a ultimate, um, ulti like the ultimate in the ultimate Marvel comics universe was made. They made Nick Fury to look like Samuel L. Jackson. And then lo and behold, they wound up getting Samuel L. Jackson to play that actual role. It's kind of the same, kind of similar to that aspect as well. So I thought that was really cool. And he looked exactly like the comic book version because it, you know, back and forth. So I thought that was really cool. But the best part about this scene is that all these other low keys are coming and they come in and then, lo and behold, the big bald headed black low key apparently is double cross kid low key. And then all of a sudden the other low keys are double crossing each other and everything. And, and art and MCU low key is just looking like, Jesus, this how I am. <laughs> So him, so it, you know, a battle royal of Loki's begin inside this little headquarters. Almost looks like kind of like the Batman, you know, in uh, the, six, uh, the Adam West Batman uh, scenes, you know, fight scenes that always happen at the end. And as they are having this big battle, the three Loki's, uh, Loki, Kid Loki, Alligator Loki, and Future Loki escape from there, and. Future old Loki is like frustrated because he's like, I lived all my life doing this and it's always the same thing. None of these Lokis, we're always going to be trapped in this situation. We're never going to change. And, you know, present Loki or, you know, MCU Loki is just saying Tom Hiddleston. He's like, that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to change the direction of how we are, you know, and that's why I'm here. And I can't do it without Sylvie. So we got to find Sylvie. Sylvie enters the world. Uh, by the way, that's the other thing I didn't mention. Sylvie also prones herself in order to travel uh, to the abandoned world where all the low keys and including Mobius uh, has ended up, turns out, and he's still alive too. So, so Sylvie enters the world. She discovers that she has the ability to enchant this dragon cloud is what I'm calling it. I forgot. I don't know what they really are calling that cloud um, or whether if it's in the comics as well. But she uh, manages to touch it, and when she did, she noticed that there was something within it, uh, something that may be the source of what's all going on here. So she, you know, she possibly is trying to figure out how, you know, to get who's behind all this. And, you know, they prepare to plan where she can enchant the, you know, Cloud Dragon and find the source of the TVA. We also get a moment when Loki and Sylvie have a you know heart-to-heart -heart talk about their feelings and what it can do to the timeline and it was a really you know cute moment where they start to be a little bit more affectionate and they you know Loki tells them tells her like you know I've screwed over so many people now I'm pretty much I'm done with it I don't want to do it and I want to make sure that I look out for you and be there for you and you know it's really windy and cold out there he actually extends her blanket his blanket over to her and it was a really cute moment we also get a moment uh, now. Well, let, let me reflect, uh, move on from there. Um, as Sylvie is ready to take on a cloud dragon, Loki decides to stay and fight by her side, giving Movius the advice to return to the TVA headquarters and do what he needs to do to take Renslayer down. And uh, before Mobius leaves, he extends his hand uh, and, you know, thanks Loki only to be hugged by Loki. And this was a really crazy moment. Cause whenever I see Mobius, I keep thinking, um, this is Loki's redemption for what he did to Phil Coulson. Pretty much. Mobius tells him that, uh, he is his favorite of the, all the Lokis. And it was a really fun moment. Owen Wilson. I have watched so many Owen Wilson movies. 
like he he's not one of my favorite actors in the world but i love i do enjoy his movies a lot but i gotta tell you this is the best performance i've ever seen owen wilson i love what he's done in this role he's just awesome i mean it this because this is the biggest range of acting that i've seen him outside of what he normally does you know uh along king polly and you know running crashes and all the stuff he kind of plays kind of the same type of character like the heartthrob type of dude but you know he changed his look he he just has a whole new look i mean he's been around he's not he can't be the same heartthrob dude that he's been you know years ago because you know wedding crashes and all that stuff were a long time ago but the look the the i mean his acting child he he stepped it up majorly here i mean i'm seeing a whole different type of range and layer of this of this actor here and i i absolutely absolutely appreciate what he's done in this one um he's my new colson <laughs> without a doubt but then we get to one of the best scenes of this episode just one of them but this is like it, it the climax of this was awesome when future loki uses his power to help distract the monsters cloud um so sylvie can you know uh to develop enough energy to enchant this monster and we get to see classic loki from the comics do his thing and i know that that was a wink wink shout out moment from them to all of us comic book fans of this if you're a thor fan you got to be happy with this this is just absolutely an awesome moment to see sylvie with the help of uh MCU Loki <laughs> uh, manages to enchant the beast and portal opens up and we see a castle or some type of you know facility or whatever like that the two begin to enter the castle and that is how the show ends I can't fathom who they're going to meet up and see and what's going to happen next I just man it is just I, the way that this show ends will determine for me, which of the three is the best? This is shaping up to be as awesome as WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I can't look. <laughs> I don't know whether to do a voting right now for the three live action films or wait till What If comes out. But right now, Marvel, in terms of the, the series itself, Marvel has done amazing with this so i am i am so happy with the results of this and what happens next week who is it who's behind all this i would i want it to be mephisto i don't know who's going to be behind all this but it, you know whatever whoever it is it has to be big it has to be big so we'll see but this episode did no wrong for me um god they did so much i i just don't know man so Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to review Black Widow. How did this fare with all of the, with all of this that happened with Loki? How did this fare, and was it worth the long wait? We'll talk about that right after this.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. Hey, this is Jeff Thorne. I am the writer, producer, showrunner of the Avengers Black Panthers Quest TV series, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Black Widow, which I am actually watching on my screen right now because I brought the premiere access of Disney Plus, which allows you to watch this as many times as possible for the for one flat fee. So yeah, I decided to want to stay home for this one because I already went to Fast 9 at my local theater and I didn't have the best of times. So I decided to watch this one in the comfort of my home and just change up on things. I decided to basically order out. In my case, I ordered from Harry and David's. Love that place. Got a lobster pot pie. I can't even tell you how awesome and good that damn thing was. And I chilled at my home and watch this on TV. I got to watch it in 4K and all this stuff. And, you know, no screen distortions, no, you know, children crying, no having to look for parking spaces, none of that. So got a chance to check it out. Pretty much enjoyed the experience at home. Now, granted, I do. Now, I didn't like the Cinemark and you know how things set up. I think they need to really do some renovation of their place in my particular theater or maybe just in that theater alone. I don't know. But maybe it's just a matter of me just not being at the right theater. I usually like to go to movie tavern for things like this. And due to scheduling issues that we didn't happen, we didn't wind up doing that. Um, so I watched it at home and, you know, overall, I thought this was an okay movie. Like this was, it was good. It wasn't blow away. I was actually hoping to possibly see a, especially because it, it, it involves, you know, Natasha Romanoff and Black Widow. I was expecting something in the level of Falcon and a Winter Soldier and and, and Captain America and a Winter Soldier. Instead, I got a little bit. It was it was Winter Soldier light with a lot more comedy than I expected. And as much as I like the comedy, I thought it was a little bit too much of it. I don't think because of its being Natasha based on Natasha and her involvement with a lot of the, you know, spy like espionage, you know, type of action. I wanted this to be a little bit more serious, but I get it. They wanted to cover certain aspects of her life. And it was really interesting because it was based upon her having to revisit her past, her past that she thought she got away with. Um, the character Drekov, who runs the Red Room, 
she thought she killed long ago. And there were parts of it. The first half of the movie was really slow, kind of slow paced, especially at the beginning, because they they kind of reviewed her as a young girl and, and Yelena as a young girl. And here's the bad part. I didn't realize that the, the kid with the blue hair was actually young Natasha. I don't. And I, I think I do kind of understand why they made her hair, you know, blue. But I also thought that was her brother. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I honestly did. I didn't realize that that was Natasha at first. And lo and behold, I found out from my ACMG Facebook group that I was the only one I thought that that was, you know, that that was um, Natasha. A lot of people didn't realize it. So it kind of threw us off until you start noticing that her hair is red. Under lighting, you don't see that. But I think I understand why they made her hair blue because she was kidnapped and they wanted they needed to change her look around. So I all right, I kind of I could I could easily possibly say they don't really say that, but I could kind of understand they kidnapped these kids and they you know took them away and gave them to other, you know, they're, they're a fake family. So you got uh Alexi, who played by David Harbour, or who is possibly even though he was the comedic you know he was the comedy dude in this he was comic relief he did really well and he was actually as much as i hated to, i wish they didn't have as much comedy the comedy that they had was actually great and i thought he did a great job in his role as the red guardian who's like a really numbskull version of captain america <laughs> as well rachel wise uh who played melina i thought was awesome as well in here too who played the you know who was the scientist but she was the fake wife to uh yelena and natasha and it just showed the story of how you know they were a family and in some part of uh united states and they winded up you know having to leave because they got all the information that they were need to for um for drake uh for Drakeoff, who's played by ray weinstein and i'll talk about him in just a minute because i thought his role and character was very significant here as well as the theme of this movie so you know, they, the scene uh, had them, you know, run away and, you know, the cops were after them, the feds were after them and all this stuff. And, you know, they retrieved the information that, that Drakov wanted as well as the kids that he wanted to take. Um, so for three years, these people have been together with these kids. And by the way, I watched this twice. And like, it's on my screen now. This is number three. <laughs> so I had to watch it twice to make sure that maybe my feelings for the movie was different the second time around as it was the first and it kind of did it it, it, it was kind of different of a different uh feeling afterwards so they get to the scene they show them trying to get out of here by airplane and you know the kids are have been trained to uh set up all of this up and help them out and the cops are trying to you know get a you know get them away they're actually the cops are shooting at them as they're on the plane and we figure out that Drakov actually has, you know, super soldier abilities uh, as well. So he's also supposed to be the partner uh, uh, of Drakov. And Drakov winds up sending him into these really tidbit type of missions and screws him over pretty much. Then they go back years later. And what happens is they ended up, um, they wind up going to, right into the scene where Natasha, it, it just takes place like right after the scene where um, Natasha leaves Tony after Tony reports to Ross that she betrayed 
um, the Sokovia Accords. So all of this is based on takes place right after right after the scene where they had that big battle and uh, on, on Marvel, uh, Captain America Civil War. And she winds up, you know, running away from uh, Secretary Ross and, and, and they're they're on a hunt for her right now. So she ends up, uh, you know, there's a scene where Ross comes in and, you know, they she's in this building. She's stuck in this building and all these feds are coming in to try to retrieve her somehow. So way she ends up getting away. But before that, he she calls him on his number and tells him, like, don't do this. You're going to embarrass yourself because you're not going to catch me. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. They never caught her. She winds up in a boat. She ends up going into one of her safe houses or anything where she meets up with the, uh, a friend of hers named Mason, who always looks out for her and gets her everything that she needs, played by O.T. Uh, Fag Benel, I believe. And I believe after watching this, this is not the last time we're going to see Mason. I got a feeling we're going to see him and maybe one of the uh, later Marvel's uh, cinematic series on Disney Plus. I just call it a hunch due to the events of what happened, especially the end credit scene, which we'll talk about as well. Um, so we come to find out, we see a scene where Yelena, who's uh, who's a widow herself, she's still within the Red Room. She still works for Drakov. She's under Drakov's control. She's on a hunt for one of the widows who went rogue on them. And she has these chemicals that when used, it takes people, it takes the widows out of their mental break and conscience from Drake, uh, from uh, Drakov. She winds up killing one of the agents, not unbeknownst to her because she's under this trance and, uh, and winds up. And I believe it was Oksana that she killed, um, played by Michelle Lee. She, Oksana basically takes one of the, uh, the vials and uses it to break her out. And it was a little bit too late because, uh, Yelena actually killed her before it actually happened. Um, and she realized it, but she tells her to take this, hide this, get this away. You know, we need to use it against him to save it or whatnot. And she does, but she also runs away herself after one of the other widows is trying to contact her to see if she retreats. And they just realized that she went rogue herself. So I do got to say, um, one of the good parts of this movie was in fact, uh, Yelena. I love the character in here. I thought she did a really well job. Uh, Florence Poe, uh, who plays this role. I hope I'm saying that last name right, but she did a really good job playing, uh, the sister of Natasha, uh, the quote unquote sister of Natasha. They're not really sisters, but they act like she, sisters, or at least she acts like a sister to her. And she felt there were parts of her character that was both hardcore, you know, and, and militant. And then there were other parts where she was really, she had a soft spot, especially when it comes to the family, the makeshift family of, um, the role of Natasha and the, and the rest. And I really enjoyed her. There were parts of her that was, she had a, she had quite a bit of comedy, uh, times too, especially when she was talking about, uh, Natasha's, uh, I, you know, signature hero stance. So she kept making fun of her with that. I love that. I love those scenes. And then she even tried it herself and was like, Ooh, gross. <laughs> so she had her moments in there as well. And, uh, but she was also, she showed how much of a badass she is as well. Her fight scenes, like I said, with Natasha was awesome. Um, you know, and then when she was fighting all through the 
see uh, all through the movie as well it's just really cool so she had some comedy chops she also had some serious roles in here as well and then she could show that she could level up with uh natasha in every way so i think we all know that they're grooming her to be the next black widow in fact her character in the comics is another black widow as well so it looks like they're going to turn into that but there's there's it's not like it's going to instantly happen due to the fact of what we see at the end of this movie as well but i really enjoy florence's portrayal of yelena because there were some heartwarming uh scenes in here as well that they have including the time when they're all sitting in the table and for one little moment they're trying to act like a family again alexi is like you know acting like the daddy character uh rachel Weiss, who also or wise who i also loved as melina as well she did a really great job too uh the family felt like they fit together even though they were a fake family they had family moments together and i thought that was really cool you know especially the part where alexi wanted to come in and try to comfort yelena yelena is just that awkward you know daughter that that teen like daughter who doesn't want to hear what the father has to say because this is going to sound like he's going to sound like a dork saying what he's about to say but in this case alexi really is coming off like a dork because a lot of stuff that he says is him wanting to you know talk about his glory days he also mentions in here too i forgot to mention this he also talks about how he is the adversary of captain america in here but one of the prisoners points out as he's you know arm wrestling everybody in prison before they break him out is that the prisoner points out like how do you know captain america captain america was on ice the entire time that you were the red guardian and for some reason alexi is has this belief that he really was his adversary now here's my theory on this on why that might be true and i think alexi could because he has the super soldier serum it is possible and due to his age and look it is possible that he very well may have actually fought with captain america i don't know to what end of the super soldier serum actually allows him to age slowly so it is possible it is possible that he might have met up with captain america in some form or fashion before they happened but you know captain america was captain america way dating back to the civil war it couldn't have been steve rogers so was it another captain america could have been could have could have no he's really talking about steve rogers i was thinking isaiah uh bradley but no they locked him up before all that stuff happened so i don't know if that really happened so but it's just funny that he mentioned that but again florence uh, uh poe as uh as yelena uh belova i thought i think she's gonna be a great addition to this new phase of marvel and slowly you know developing her into the new black widow in here as well and and melina as well as the motherly character and scientist and her with the pigs that she almost killed in here as well so <laughs> she ends up sending the vials over to natasha she finds a way to get to natasha natasha finds it but upon taking that along with other things that mason gave to her at budapest which i thought was an awesome you know connection to the situation that her and hawkeye went through she went up running away and noticed that the vials actually has a picture of her and yelena from way back 
which means she knows that who's who this is from and she knows where she has to go to she has to find yelena now to find out but before she does she winds up entering the uh, she ends, she it winds up being encountered by taskmaster this is one of my issues with and a lot of people's issue with this movie the handling of one of the coolest characters in the marvel comic universe this is possibly one of the the it's a it's a positive and a negative here because remember the marvel cinematic universe like i said before when we're talking about loki is an amalgam of, of many parts of the marvel comic universe um they take fragments of it they form they conform it to what is the marvel cinematic universe remember i said this and also being able to tell their own narrative that is kind of similar to the events of what happened of many different uh, comic book universes to make their own and then they also take a little liberties of it themselves this is the one where i feel like they kind of dropped the ball because taskmaster for those who know what that character is is one of the coolest and the most awesome characters you could ever have the original taskmaster is a guy who can and in fact let me give his get his real name his original name uh it was uh created by it was created by david uh michelin michelini and, and artist george perez the legendary george perez and the his name is tony masters anthony masters to be uh, it was his alter ego he doesn't have any real superpowers but he has this ability this photo i forgot what they call it um he's able to copy everybody's moves no matter with his black panther whether it's um a black widow whether it's um captain america he can or even spider-man he can mimic everyone's battles and then he has tech he's pretty much batman but with with this ability to mimic the power the everybody's abilities like physical abilities he's very agile he's very athletic he can pretty much i and it's just an ability that he has you know I, and there's a there's a term for it uh he call, i believe is um what am i saying procedural memory potential I, I i'm if i'm saying that correctly but you know he he's one of the most he's one of the hardest and most difficult characters to, to really portray here so one of the biggest negatives is that it, it, i didn't mind the fact that they that they gender bended this character i minded that they didn't give this character enough to prolong and you know spoiler alert this character does not last, at least we don't know we don't know exactly what's going to happen to this character after what happened but we do know that this wasn't the like the shit talking you know arrogant egotistical you know taskmaster that we know because he did a lot he did a lot of trash talking when it came to like if you if you watch the animated uh the animated series that he's in like uh he's on spider-man ultimate spider-man you can watch him on there you can he's in uh the spider-man ps4 game and ps5 game he's on there as well you can also because he's a mercenary he's a mercenary for hire too that's the other thing and you can find him on the recent marvel avengers game 
that he's in. So in every one of these formats, he is a trash talker. So I would love, love for them to make this character a trash talker, but it's not a matter of them gender bending. It's just a matter of the nature of the character because they based it on, spoiler alert, the fact that it is his, it, it's it's Drakov's daughter. Drakov's daughter who, um, really I, this scene was this, this scene was hardcore because this is part of the what i liked about this scene with natasha talking about what she did to try to kill drake off she had some she had some um collateral damage and that collateral damage was his daughter who was in the room when she when she uh gave the okay to set off the explosions with Drakov in here she hated Drakov. she wanted Drakov dead so bad that she didn't even care that her daughter was in here. And that was part of the blood and ledger that she was talking about all this time. Um, you know, during, uh, you know, Avenger, the very first Avengers uh, movie. And she's been trying to um, make amends to that for so long and try to get rid of all the red in her ledger. And it's, it's kind of funny because um, Alexi keeps reminding both her and Yelena of all the people that they killed as if it was a good thing. <laughs> I mean, he was a piece of work, but you know, they wind up comes to find out that she is the actual, you know, they managed to chip her and revive her and make her, you know, obey the commands of Dracoff. Here's the bad part about this. Here's the part that I, here's my thing. I think they could have went about this a different way. I could have, I think they absolutely could have went about this in a way like, regardless of how bad Drakov is and whatever uh, Antonia has thought about her, dude, Natasha blew you up in the process of your father. So regardless of what you think about Drakov, I'm sorry, I'm coming for revenge on Natasha. Whatever he did or not, you tried, you, you sacrificed me just to get to him. How is that not incentive enough for her to want revenge on Natasha? That's my beef about this. So you had to, like, Drakov had to have her in control in order to, I think that was just dumb. <laughs> like, that was a, like blowing, my, blowing me up in order to get to my father. Like, screw my father. You tried to kill me to get to him. Not only did you try to kill my father, but you also blew me up in the process. I'm coming after your ass. Okay? That to me, they could have, you know, for her to be, you know, I don't think that they needed to have her under the spell of Drakeoff in order to do that. That that to me was enough incentive. They could have went with that. So I think with that part right there, they dropped the ball in that case. Now, what they did do right is the whole, you know, memory ability that he had that she has and was able to mimic everything that natasha did as well as black panther did and captain america did so they got that part right i just feel that the taskmaster character could have had could have benefited from having a lot more personality than what they did here and it was just i i felt like that they just just made him made this character a nothing character, a, a character with no real merit of bringing back. Like they did more for GSP's Leaper character than they did Taskmaster. And in, in, in comics, Taskmaster is way more a menacing villain than the Leaper. Like the Leaper is a joke character that they brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and made into a badass thanks to GSP. Okay, 
this one i felt like they kind of did it but not to the extent of what they like i just i just felt i hopefully this is not the last time we see this character i don't know i don't make maybe they can resalvage this character and maybe they can still say like i want revenge but they can't because natasha's gone i don't know where they're going with this character she's still alive thankfully but i don't know what's going to happen is she i just don't know i just don't know here um but I hope they find a way to resalvage this character because Taskmaster is a character that can go on for a long time, you know, much like that of Crossbones, which I still hated that they killed him off as well. You know, I mean, I know they can't keep every villain back, but come on, you got to Hopefully they they'll do something with uh, with her, because aside from that point, the fight scenes were awesome. All of the fight scenes was one of the biggest pluses of this movie. Um, everybody's fight scene was awesome. Uh, Natasha and Yelena, when they were fighting, when they finally met up, was awesome. Um, I mean, it was really high impact, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, you know, all the stuff. The one thing, the one big plus about this movie was the fact that this, that the fight scenes were on point. Loved them. Um, the comedy was also on point, even though I'd rather, if I had a choice, I wouldn't put the comedy in here, at least not as much. Um, but Drake, but David, um, Harbour, had some great moments in here and I, I can say what i want about whether they should have had a comedy in here for what it was worth he did he was hilarious in here he was really probably one of the best parts of this movie um it was great having william hurt in here returning as ross to you know connect the civil war aspect of it as well i liked the little scenes connecting to lee i mean it was pretty much leading in it was leading in from her from being from civil war to infinity war because they even showed her um about to bleach her hair blonde which we then saw on infinity war so i like that aspect um there was there was a lot of other really cool moments too i do want to address the drakeoff situation here because drakeoff i mean ray weinstein did a pretty good performance as him but they showed a young version of him and then they showed the older version of him, the current version of him, and his portrayal. I'm sorry. And I'm not the only one. I think other people in our ACMG Facebook group mentioned this as well. He came off. Drake, Ray Weinstein's character of Drakeoff felt like a supervillain version of Harvey Weinstein. And this whole premise of the Red Room and the and the widows and him abducting all these women and treating them unfairly and making them do things against their will it just felt like a superhero hate letter to harvey weinstein <laughs> and that's not a bad thing that is not a bad thing at all it was a very empowering type of thing to not have such a dreadful piece of crap guy like drakov or the weinsteins of the world to you know think that they can do that to women I don't mind that at all, but it just felt, I mean, whether it was or not, it just felt like it to me. And, you know, these messages need to get out and why not do it? You know, we look what they did for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I like the message that they gave out for Falcon and the Winter Soldier because it's needed. This was also needed as well. And if that was the case, then I think they successfully did it because Drakeoff came off to be such, I, I hated this dude. I really hated this dude. It gave me some really negative, bad vibes about him. And there are some real world Drakeoffs out there, you know, to a lesser or a even more, a higher extent out there, you know, and, you know, 
this was a indeed a movie that needed to be shown with some power. I just wish that it was just had a little bit more serious tone to what they did. I also want to give a positive to the idea of this red room that we finally get to see. Um, I like the fact that the red room was hard to find. And then in fact, it was in the sky. I absolutely enjoyed that. Um, the red room was awesome. The scenes where you got to see all of the black widows in unison and shout out to all the actors who played in that scene, all of the widows who played in that scene and they were all in unison. That was creepy, awesome and good. <laughs> Cause it was like, they were not one person in that scene was out of place. They were symmetrical <laughs> in movement. You know, it's synchronized, synchronized in every way. It was just absolutely awesome. Um, you know, for the most part, like I said, I, I think for the most part, I enjoyed this movie. Um, the other, I, I would say the only other negative that I would have for this movie as well is the beginning. It was based on the nineties with the flashback was the nineties and the choice of music that was chose for this was smells like teen spirit, a, a rendition of, um, the classic uh, rock um, song by Nirvana, which I love. Everybody love. I'm from. I'm a, I'm a Gen X dude. My problem was that I felt like that was the wrong song for a lot of reasons. One, it didn't match up to what was going on in the scene. Two, it's overused. So many people use "Smells Like Teen Spirits" to the point that, like, come on, that wasn't the epitome of the '90s. I felt. Here's my. Here's my thing. Think about this for a minute. I felt like. The best song choice for this actual intro could have been Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Because the very, the, the, the lyrics of the chorus of it is, I don't ever wanna feel like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. That sounded, that would have been much better it smells like teen spirit okay like come on <laughs> like every bit of that song to me is like could have played into the fact that these kids wanted to be didn't want to move away like the kid in the kids in the scene did not want to move away they wanted to be in that area they didn't want to be shot up by you know cops as they fly away in the plane they didn't want to be taken away by Drakeoff and be trained and you know be sodomized or whatever the case, you know, and tortured to be trained to be what they were. Under the Bridge could have been the perfect song to start off that, off that. Like, come on, look, like, go look at, go and Google the lyrics to Under the Bridge and then look at that original scene. I think they dropped a ball with that, but be that as it may, overall, this movie, I watched it twice. The first time I wasn't feeling it as much. I felt like it was a little slow pace at the beginning and then it really started picking up by the end, especially as they get to the part of the red room. So it was like a slow pace to an epic moment. The second half of the movie was really good. Uh, I thought it picked up gratefully, uh, you know, greatly. Um, the fight scenes were awesome all through. I, I, for the wood is worth, I do like the Taskmaster character. I just hate the backstory of it or the, the, the character direction of it. Um, I hopefully, like I said, I hopefully they'll do more with this character because I think they, I almost feel like the writers, 
don't exactly know thoroughly about the Taskmaster character. I think they could have done so much better with this character. I felt they could have done much more with this character. Um, you know, I can't fault David Harbour. He did really good as the Red Guardian. I just wish they could have done a lot less. I wish it had a little bit more of the Falcon and Winter Soldier tempo, or at least the the um, you know, the Winter Soldier, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier tempo, where it's like it's a lot less comedy, a little bit more uh, action and suspense, and it it lacked that. It lacked that. I I would say. If I rate this in terms of like, if I rank this in terms of an order, this is right, literally right above Thor one and two. Like it, it's, it's kind of on that base. Thor, like right above Thor one or two, right under Incredible Hulk. It, it's, it's, this is going to be on the low. And I think a lot of people felt it too. A lot of people felt that this movie was lukewarm from what I was reading on our ACMG group, some people, I mean, everybody I think liked it, but felt that this was probably the lesser of the, of the other movies. And I think also I'm wondering if the timing played a factor here because this, you know, COVID played a factor in this. Um, this movie has been talked about being made for a long time now. And I wonder if they, if this would have been a better, if we would have viewed this in a better light, had this come out maybe a year after uh, Captain America Civil War. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen from there, but we do know what's going to happen later on because they did have an end credit scene. And in the end credit scene, we saw, I, I, you know what's so bad? The end credit scene woke everybody up because now we're going to see what the hell is going to happen during the aftermath of, um, of Infinity War and Endgame because they show it, they go right directly to where Yelena is visiting uh, the gravesite of Natasha. Take note that Yelena also has a dog because during the movie she mentioned that she wanted to live a normal life and you know she wanted a dog, you know, and she finally got that dog. And they go visit Natasha's site and she gives her the you know signature whistle that they those two had together, and lo and behold. Who pops up? <laughs> but none other than uh, Valentina herself, played by Julia Louise Dreyfus, once again, making her cameo appearance from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, the funny thing is, the funny thing about this is, is that this was supposed to be filmed before, and this was supposed to be shown before Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yet, the actual place that um, it, it it just it the placing of this and the filming of the scene felt like this was the aftermath of this, and I liked that they the way they did it because I liked her intro into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Falcon and the Winter Soldier way better than I did with this cameo of her in the end credit scene. So I think it worked. I think it worked for them in this case. Also, want to point out too a little. Uh, a little bit of a Easter egg here that they had. Um, Natasha going to Budapest uh, to go meet up with um, Yolanda, uh, uh, Yolanda, with Yelena, which started that big fight between the two. But after they had that fight, they showed um, Yelena, you know, asked her about the three holes in her wall, which just happened to be arrows 
which she was, you know, that she that Natasha mentioned. And which the cool part is, if you guys remember, the whole situation with Natasha and and um, Clint Barton happened in Budapest in that wild situation where he was about to kill her, and they were about to actually, um, you know, she wind up changing her ways, and he wound up taking out the Red Room in the first place. All happened in Budapest, and they kept talking about Budapest, and they even mentioned Budapest on Endgame as well. So all of that is coming back. So I think if people give it another try and watch it more more than once, I think you'll get a better appreciation. Like this wasn't the worst movie ever, and they don't make bad movies at all. But this was definitely the lesser of the bunch that they had in here. Um, if you see it for the first time, and this is why I'm glad I I bought it and 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 from Disney Plus because I can watch it as many times as I want to at this point and it really is a good movie it's just not a great movie it's definitely a watchable movie um not a, a like it, it, it doesn't really do anything to progress any of the story that is going on other than the end credit scene but it's just a side story it, it literally is a side story that you get to watch starring you know um natasha romanoff you know but it was it was good for what it's worth if i can give this a grade I would possibly give it ah uh, i would probably give it a b I, I, it, it's a it's between a b or a b a negative um a b minus at best i mean if you like if i compare this to what i've seen in low key it's definitely a b which is still better than what anything dc has ever put out <laughs> to be honest but um yeah i would definitely give this a a, a b in this case um no, actually, I think the Snyder Cut is better than this. I got to give that credit. No, I love the Snyder Cut. But um, yeah, this would this would get a, a solid B for me at best. But um, is it go out of your way to go see? No, this is definitely you could. I think people can wait, but it's still an enjoyable movie. All of the cast were it was solid. That's what I can say about it. It was solid. It, it's not perfect. It wasn't be the best. There were some things that I felt they could do better course but at the end of the day it was, it's still a worthy watchable movie so go out of your way and check it out if you haven't seen it yet um i would just suggest you know if you're not on out of your way to see it i hate to say this but you can possibly wait to see this to come out in october on disney plus um if you haven't already but i'm pretty sure this thing is making a lot of money regardless so but we get to see what's going to happen next because it looks like we know what's going to happen on the hawkeye series as well yelena's coming back for sure but what Valentina is going to be involved in it? We'll find out. We'll find out. Folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Thank you guys so very much as always. I just want to give a quick note here. Well, first of all, next week, we're, um, we're going to be, uh, we're going to have some great shows as well. Select Start, the video game podcast. I will be reviewing Monster Hunter Stories 2. So stay tuned for that on the Prime Show. Space Jam 2 is coming. So we're finally going to get to see LeBron do his thing and what the hell is going to happen with this new 3D version of Space Jam. So we're going to review that next week. So stay tuned for that. But on top of all that, I just want to take a time to thank everybody. Um, this Wednesday, the series finale of Loki, <laughs> which we we're definitely going to talk about next week. But um, this Wednesday, it's not only just the series finale of Loki, it is also celebrating 10 years of my design firm, Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. 10 years of doing graphic design, multimedia development, 
and I won't go into too long of a of a talk about it, but I just want to say it's been a great ride so far. Um, 10 years, 10 years of a <laughs> hell of an adventure, uh, leading up to doing this show, leading up to working with Repop, leading up to creating and developing ACMG to what it is now. Um, the Facebook group, especially all of that is a part of all of that has happened under the viewfinders identity search and design umbrella. 10 years of trying to prove my worth to this world as a black man, as a graphic designer, as a person with value, 10 years of going through good and bad clientele, 10 years of designing some really fun logos, creating brands, creating dreams, and seeing some great success and some great failures. So 10 years of me learning from my mistakes, learning from experiences, 10 years, and I don't regret any of it. And I just want to thank everybody who's been a part of this from Mega Ran, uh, who's, you know, been around to, you know, do the intro to this. And he's looked out for me on some other grounds as well. DJ Cutman, who, you know, all the music that you're hearing in every episode of Talk Time Live within the last year or so has been uh, thanks to him. So, you know, shout out to him. Go to both Megaran.com. Go to uh, GameChops.com to check out all their work, all their music there if you're fans of them as well. Um, Molly Flanagan, who's not only a great friend, she's not only the Hokage, the voice of Naruto, but she's also a client who I've worked with on many times. Uh, Danielle Kennedy as well, who's been on tons of shows as well. Um, everybody who i had a chance to meet who's been on this show who's been on you know a guest of the show 50 of 50 of some of the best guests that i've ever had and fan people i'm fans of as well thank reed pop for working along with me as well in this journey um you know give me the opportunities the, the to partner with them and give me the opportunities to um do some really awesome things i mean just chances of a lifetime especially if you're a fan of all things anime comics movies and games it's just to be able to set out to do what i set out to do 10 years ago and to do what i love and to sacrifice and to take risk it was all worth it and it's not over <laughs> you know if as long as i can breathe i am still going to be doing it and if it's my day i will never regret what i did back then and i've i was blessed enough to be able to do it for 10 years because my life was not guaranteed and it almost wasn't at the age of 16 on so many between it was me and my life almost flashing before my eyes to me almost being arrested and wrongfully arrested for something that I didn't do. It's been a journey. It's been a hell of a journey and I'm proud of this journey that I've gone. So thank you to everybody, our listeners here, our new listeners, our old listeners, people who stuck by me, even the people who didn't stick by me and, you know, tried to do me dirt and whatever. Thank you, because I learned from all of it. So just keep it going and keep it growing, people. That's all I can say. You can do it. You can make it happen if you put in the grind to get to the glory. Thank you all. So, folks, as always, you can check this show out on TalkTimeLive.com, uh, where you can find every podcast that you can possibly want to find. Uh, there's a search engine. You can find exclusive interviews that I have. You can type in their names or you can type TTL exclusive on air and it'll instantly all pop up. You can check out our uh, Talk Time Live exclusive videos on air. You can check out our media page where all of the read pop 
metaverse panels are on there. You can see clips or you can see full actual panels there as well. Um, there's all types of content there. You can see uh, new blogs and everything that comes up every so often in there. So go to talktimelive.com for all things ACMG. You can also find us on your favorite podcast platforms as well. You can go to Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, uh, Pandora, Pocket Cast, and of course, Tumblr. Shout out to all my Tumblr people out there, you know, showing their love out there as well. So thank you all again. That'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.